This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. Explore more podcasts at www.teachbetterpodcastnetwork.com. Now let's get on to the episode. Welcome to the Big Ed Idea Podcast, a podcast for those looking to change the world through education. Each week, we bring you a new idea, however big or bold it is, that has the potential to disrupt, upheave, or remix education. Now here's your host, our dad, Ryan Scott. Good evening, or morning, or afternoon, or whatever it is, whenever you decide to hit that play button. Welcome back to the Big Ed Idea podcast uh, with Ryan Scott. I am super grateful, super honored, super uh, excited to have you joining us tonight. Uh, This is episode 2.27, and I have got a Kansas guy with us today. Uh, His name is Dr. Christopher Yoakum, um, and I didn't even ask him prior to make sure that it is pronounced Yoakum, so uh, I hope, Chris, that it is Yoakum. Is that right? Yeah, good job. That is correct. Okay. okay. So uh, Chris is, first and foremost, he's a dad and a husband. Um, but uh, outside of that world, he he is the chair of the Department of Teacher Ed at Fort Hayes State University in Hayes, Kansas. Uh, Chris began his career as a public school Spanish and ESL teacher, which I absolutely love and I will get back to later. And he has been preparing future teachers for 15 years. His research focuses on leadership development and education. And his recent book is titled The Department Chair, A Practical Guide to Effective Leadership. So without further ado, Dr. Christopher Yoakum, welcome to the Big Ed Idea Podcast. Well, hey, thank you, Ryan. Uh, Very, very honored and and, uh, humbled to be here and uh, looking forward to our conversation. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, you know, I, I didn't know this about you until you did the bio, but um, ESL and Spanish are like kind of two of my loves. Um, mm-hmm. I almost went into the ESL field because I have a passion for, for Spanish, the language, the culture, all of that stuff. Um, and then in my last high school, we had a very, very large Guatemalan population. So I kind of took it upon myself to start doing Duolingo every day during the COVID um, I've been doing that for, I think I'm at like 500 day streak, but um, yeah, I love that language. I love that culture. So it's, it's really cool to connect with somebody um, that also was in that kind of that same passion, I guess. Yeah, it's, it's uh, just, you know, it's more years than I realize now looking back when I got into it, but um, really had a calling and, and it really enables you to, to not only talk to more people on the planet, but as an educator to, to one of those areas, whether it's ESL or bilingual ed, where you, you can really, uh, you know, really make a difference and not, you know, all teachers can, but I just felt called to do that. So, uh, yeah, certainly never regretted that. And it still helps me to this day. Absolutely, man. So, okay. I know you've been preparing teachers for 15 years. How long have you been in this education space? Oh boy. Um, over 20, <laughs> Oh <years>. boy. <laughs> well, uh, had to think about that. Yeah. Uh, right. Uh, around 22, 23 years now total. Okay. Okay. Very, very, very cool. Okay. So uh, Chris, I, 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 let's just jump in and let's, 
let's let's uh, let's do what we came here for. Let's talk about education, uh, what your ideas are, what my ideas are, and let's give these listeners something to to listen to. All right, sounds good. Let's do it. Sounds good. Okay, okay. So, um, okay, so for my listeners, if you've listened to any maybe more than one show, you'd know that I'm I'm just very big on the connections before content. Um, and so I always try to connect with my folks. Um, you can tell I'm from Kentucky because I said folks, but you, um, I always try to connect with my listeners and my um, guests by doing a getting to know you stuff first. And, and the first section is called what's up at the Scott house. And uh, I've got three words. I'm going to tell you what they were, what they are, and then I'll come back and, and do a little explaining. So my three words for this week are hike, sickness, and cheerleading. Um, so I am recording this on the end of the week. And this past weekend, um, I had the privilege of spending three days in Shawnee National Forest, which is in Southern Illinois. I am currently section hiking the River to River Trail, which is a 160 mile trail that runs from the Ohio to the Mississippi. And so this weekend, I got to do 40 miles over Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Um, took my dog, Houston. He's my Australian shepherd. So I got to get out and decompress, and it was amazing. Um, other than the unexpected snow, I got super cold, but whatever. It was, a, it was, it was ton, tons of fun. Um, second word, sickness. Uh, you may be able to hear in my voice. Something is going on at our house. We have been passing it around for a week now. Um, actually just got tested today for flu and COVID and it was nothing. So who knows what it is, uh, but the Scott house, there's some sickness going on. And then my last word, cheerleading. Uh, my 11 year old Stella is gaga about cheerleading. And so she's got a cheerleading they call it a showcase. I don't know, whatever that is. They're going to go out there and brag on what they can do to the uh, gym. But anyway, we are praying and keeping her separated so that she doesn't get sick. But uh, yeah, Chris, that's what's going on in my place. What's going on in your neck of the woods? Oh, wow. Well, probably some similarities between okay. uh, your 11 year old and, and one of my youngest. Uh, she, she, she is into dance and also. Okay. Does yeah. The- yeah, bit of cheerleading, so I get that. Wow. Well, congratulations on the hike. Uh, that's um, that's wonderful. The closest I could do is one time when I was in Cincinnati, I walked across the bridge to say I might go to another state, but that's right. yeah, it wasn't <laughs> certainly wasn't forty miles. Um, okay, so three words I guess going on at my household right now. Um, I would say uh, grateful, um, busy, and talented would be a phrase, and then eager. Um, grateful just because, um, you know, just always try to, to look at the bright side. Got a lot Absolutely. of, a lot, lot of good things going on. Um, I have two kids, one's a senior in high school, one's, uh, one's a, uh, seventh grader. Uh, obviously a lot, a lot going on. My wife keeps, uh, very busy kind of keeping, keeping things in order, and certainly couldn't do it without her. And so uh, just just grateful for that. I got great people that I work with. Uh, we serve students and that want to be teachers. So always, always keep my focus on that. Uh, busy and talented, like you said with your daughter, is is my girls. Uh, the oldest just finished up the um, 
the High School Musical. Oh which yeah, takes a lot of lot of a um, lot of. I did that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and she, um, you know, very talented. So that kept her busy, just got that finished up. And the other one is, uh, you know, starting to get into, they're starting to amp up for the uh, ramp up for the uh, dance season. And so uh, getting getting ready for all those things, in addition to all the school activities, as you know, that keep you busy. And then, and then the third one, Eager, um, as you know, even in higher ed, uh, I think as teachers, we kind of live in seasons. Yeah, sure. And uh, just a great time, you know, eager to kind of to in the in the semester strong, eager for the, the holiday season to to kick off and, and all of those things. And and in our world, it's always nice to, to transition into a new semester in January. And so. So, yeah, those are those would be the words I think that would describe me and um, in my household right now. Yeah, I like it. I like it. OK, so grateful. I could not agree with you more. Um, I try to live that try to live that word at daily. Um, busy. Yep. I totally know what that's like. And then eager. Yeah, I would agree. I'm, I'm ready for, for a Thanksgiving break and I'm ready for a two week Christmas break over here. Um, but also you did not tell me this, but I'm gathering that you are also a girl dad. Are you also I a am. girl dad? Okay. You betcha. Yep. I am okay. two girls. Okay. You've got two girls. I've got four girls. I definitely know what it's like, uh, to be a girl dad. Yep. Wonderful. Wonderful. Awesome. awesome. Okay. Okay. So now uh, our two for two and these, these two today kind of have a, a theme going that I'm going to ask you. They all have to do with last. And so here is your first getting to know you question. What is the last book that you read? The last book. And now is this actually finished or just, just was, was, was reading? So it could totally be what you're reading right now. Okay. Okay. Well, because um, I want to get the the actual name. I will, I always have a couple things on my Kindle going. I bet. And um, so one, uh, as you may know, is I'm a big um, leadership fan. And I don't know if you're familiar. Um, well, you're probably familiar with a lot of the, you know, John Maxwell and, and those types of folks. Um one thing that's on my shelf, so to speak, Kindle, is it's called A New Kind. I want to get the right title here for you. Uh, a New Kind of Diversity by Tim Elmore and a forward by John Maxwell. Oh, wow. And um, interesting thing about that uh, is, is uh, at this point in time, because people are living and working longer, uh, we could have as many as four or five generations in the workplace. That's right. And, and, uh, you know, the gist of that is from a leadership standpoint, is we all have something to gain and learn from each other. And it almost provides a template to kind of interpret how, you know, a baby boomer can interpret a Gen Zer, yeah. or, you know, and so um, that's something that that um, uh, working my way through right now, and then have some other books, always kind of in the wings that I'm um, looking forward to. So that, that's the one that's most current for me. Beautiful. And you said it was a new kind of a diversity? new kind of diversity. That's what I thought. Yeah, okay. A new kind of diversity by Tim Elmore. Again, selfishly, selfishly, man, I'm, I'm writing that down so I can read it. Yeah. And, and then the other one I would say to, um, for leaders um, that that's been around for a while, but uh, you know, if you haven't heard of the crucial conversations, it's in its Absolutely. third edition now. 
wonderful. Uh, just kind of working through that kind of started in the summer and finished up in the fall, but uh, yeah. And um, yes, yes. So uh, hopefully that'll be a value to, uh, to some people listening. Those are things that influence me. Excellent. Right now I am reading drive by Daniel Pink. Love that one. I think uh, school systems, I wish we, we, we could pivot a lot more to intrinsic motivation. Um, and that's actually a, it's the last chapter that I'm writing in my own book is all about um, willpower. And so a, a piece of that is some of the work of Daniel Pink. So yes, my second, uh, let's see, second question for you is the last movie or show that you have watched. Oh, wow. Well, I'm, I don't know about you. I'm when I, I'm a big documentary person. Okay. Yeah. I can, yeah. um, but I, you know, the last full movie that I watched, so we'll go that route was the, um, I call it the new top gun, but is it yeah. average? Yeah. 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 So, so was the good. actual last time I went to the theater and, and if you haven't seen it, that very good that justice. Yeah. You need to see it in the theater. But, um, and of course I remember watching, the first Top Gun come out, and so that was kind of nice. Back in the to day. See that. So, yep. So that was um, the last. I would say the last actual movie that I saw in the theater. Okay, wonderful. Okay, so uh, Chris, what are your questions for me? Well, I would, um, and and I don't. You know, we can go a couple different ways here. Um, I'm an open book, but but um, you know, I'm always curious. Uh, with folks such as yourself that that have influence on podcasts and working uh, with others, uh, what is your take, or how do you, you know, what are your leadership principles? You know, whether how do you define leadership, or do you have some principles upon what it's based? But you know, obviously, in your role, you said you're a dean of students, so um, I would imagine that is leadership every day, be it conflict, be it influence, be it relationships. Um, so I'm curious too, uh, personally, and I, I think a lot of your listeners would be just your take, whether it's your definition or, or kind of some principles that guide you as a leader in uh, within education. Okay. So I would say first and foremost, as a leader, my three words that really guide me are valued, seen, and heard. Um, I'll, I'll be really, really blunt. Um, I think we are in an age, um, and I think the research points to that we need our employees to have as much autonomy as they possibly can. Um, and the only way that, 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 you know, you're really going to be able to give them that type of autonomy is if you trust them. Um, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Brene Brown. She talks a lot about trust, vulnerability, um, that kind of stuff. But me, it comes down to three words. I need everybody in that building um, from the adults to the kids to the parents to know that number one, I value them, um, that I do not feel like I'm above either of any of them. Um, I'm not a big fan in the, I'm the leader. So you do what I say kind of approach. Um, secondly, seeing, I need them to know that I see them every day. And by doing one way to do that, number one, learn my students' names as soon as possible. And every time I see them, use their name. Um, you know, I have one kid last week who told me he doesn't like to go by this one name because it's his dad's name. He hasn't seen dad in forever. Um, some of the other teachers were 
um, apprehensive about calling him by this name instead of his real name, but the kid wants it. I'm going to do it. It makes him feel seen. Um, it actually makes him feel valued as well. Um, also, when I call home uh, to talk to parents, I always call them by their first name. Um, I don't ever say Mr. or Mrs. Um, I'll be honest, one of my one of my soapboxes that is that sometimes people in education, whether intentionally or unintentionally, come off. Um, and I'm going to use a word I use every day, come off bougie. Um, sometimes we come across maybe a little elitist to our parents um, and probably our kids that need us the most probably come from backgrounds where education was at one time or another not valued, you know. Um, and then the last time, last thing heard, change takes time. And I think lasting change takes even longer. Um, and I don't, I don't think you can make lasting change without hearing from your people. Um, so prior to making any, any move, I want to know what my people think. Um, I want to know what my parents think. And I think it's most importantly, what do my students think? Um, I work in an alternative school where kids, most of them, um, all of them have been expelled out of traditional schools, but I would say 99% of them haven't felt valued, seen, or heard forever. And so just to be able to, to ask them their opinion is a big deal. Um, so those are my three words that I really try to live my leadership life by. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. I, I think that's, that's, uh, that's great. I always like every time, anytime I can talk to a current um, K-12 principal, soup, whatever. Um, I, I, there's so much wisdom you can gain. Uh, I always say the hardest working teachers in the field of education are in, are in K-12. Sure. Uh, because they do it every day. And um, some research that I started this summer kind of informally uh, with principals and superintendents somewhat reinforced as well that in the world of education, be it through kindergarten, all up through higher ed, uh, certainly great leaders at every level, but uh, you talk about being able to flex your leadership muscle and practice it every day. Yeah, uh, I would say the same go for folks like yourself, um, that, you know, what you do by lunch, uh, maybe leaders in other organizations, they don't get that done in, in a week, and um, be that addressing positive, negative, and everything in between. So, um, man, that, that's already given me a few ideas okay. uh, in the future, but, but I love that value seen and heard. And, and as you know, um, and I think I was, it was, uh, something, I think you said in a podcast or one of your guests, maybe it was, I saw Darren, uh, Pepper oh, was yeah. on here this summer. Um, you know, even though, even though the, uh, the bodies grow, uh, a lot of the, a lot of the, stuff I call it that kids carry with them that we had worked so hard to, to address in K-12. Uh, I can tell you from from a leadership standpoint that a lot of those things, what you said, value seen and heard, uh, there are adults, um, I would say most of whom uh, certainly would want to be, to be value seen and heard in their organization. For sure. For sure. So um, yeah, thank you. Yeah, I, I, um, I would say a good teacher is a good thief. So I might, uh, I might Steal have to, away. Uh, 
to use those value seen and heard. Awesome. Absolutely. Thank you. And actually I stole those three words from a good friend of mine, Kevin Curtis. He is okay. the uh, CEO of uh, relationship centered learning. He, okay. uh, he holds a big conference down in Texas every year, all about um, relationships being the center of, of learning. Mm-hmm. Excellent. So, uh, Chris, what is your yes. second question for me? Okay, second question. Uh, and this is one that I kind of get a giveaway here, but I just have found a lot of value in over the years, whether it's hiring somebody or getting to know them. Okay. Um, but in what areas are you naturally intuitive? It's okay. So this is really funny. Um, I am by nature an extroverted introvert. Um, okay. Most of the time I spend by myself when I'm not at work, um, you know, like, like the height three days, mm -hmm. totally by myself over 40 miles um, was heaven for me. But I'm a very good judge of how somebody is feeling. Um, I don't know. I don't know if it was my bartending days when I was a, I was a bartender for about five, five years. So part okay. of that, there was a lot of psychology behind it, uh, particularly late at night, knowing, um, people's attitudes, um, honestly, whether or not they should be cut off, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, but I have kind of, I'm, I think I'm very in tune with, with the emotions of others. I try to be now somebody else might be listening. If I'm wrong, please call me out on it. But I think I am. Oh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sure in my, again, somewhat informal research, uh, right. people that, that have done what you, that you do and are successful. And, uh, I think you have to certainly with kids, you, you nailed it with, you have to be in tune to others' emotions. You got to have that level of connection. Absolutely. Um, uh, I, I think a lot of us that, that have been in K-12 or whatever, I, I relate to, I think what you said, the extroverted introvert is, um, certainly enjoy being yeah. around others and doing that. But, um, I know I can relate sometimes the way I can best, uh, recharge my battery is, you know, some people need to recharge being around others and others need to recharge being alone. And so That's right. uh, certainly, uh, certainly relate to that. Well, I don't know all of the questions you've been asked, but, uh, hopefully those two, those two, uh, were, were at least somewhat, uh, worthy of the show. Hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. Decent questions. No, they were really good. I really liked them. I appreciate that. So, okay. So Chris, one of the things that I, that, that I am always intrigued about is how, how education finds us. Um, I'm a very, very big purpose-driven, uh, guy. I, I really believe that, um, you know, we spend a majority of our lifetime working and so we might as well use what we do to benefit others. I mean, I think education is that perfect place and I think it finds us. I don't think it's the other way around. So I am curious about how education found Dr. Christopher Yoakum. Well, um, I, I grew up in a, um, a pretty small rural community in, uh, in Western Nebraska, about a thousand people in the town. Okay. Uh, not unlike a lot of the communities that, uh, that at least are on campus students where I work come from. And 
you know, as, as, as for the listeners that can relate, in a small community, the the school is pretty much the yeah. only thing going. Yeah. And if if you're going to be a teacher at the school for any length of time, or a coach, or probably a coach, a teacher, a bus driver, and all of the above, all of the above is is you know you have to get it become embedded in the community. You That's get right. to know the kids, and so. Uh, for me, uh, growing up, uh, from kindergarten to 12th grade, I think I probably graduated with at least, you know, 90% of the kids that I started kindergarten with. That's right. Uh, I don't know that we knew any different. Uh, our teachers, our role models, our coaches uh, were just an integral part of our life. And the school, I mean, there is nothing else to do on a Friday night in a town of a thousand people than go to the Go to the game. game. Yep. Go to the game. Exactly. Um, and so I, I don't know that I, I wasn't the type of of kid that you know immediately knew I wanted to be a teacher and used to play school and all of that. Uh, but I certainly connected with my teachers. Uh, obviously, I you know school. I quote unquote did school well, which I think always helps. Um, I was able you know to have some success in extracurriculars. Um. But I think how it kind of found me is in the back of my, my mind, I, you know, go to college, I'm a first generation college student, and growing up in a small town, most of the people I knew that had college degrees worked at the school. Yeah, yeah. They really did. And so, yeah. you, you know, when you think about what, what can I do, uh, who are the people I know that have done this, most of my examples were teachers and coaches. And I've always been, been fascinated with the process, whatever that is a process of whether it's the process of getting better as an athlete, the process of helping somebody learn. And I, you know, I did my undergrad at a school that, that uh, similar to Fort Hayes is known for preparing teachers started as a normal college way back when. And, um, you know, for my first couple of years, I, I really didn't have a major. I was always thinking about education and just finally decided, yeah, this is something that uh, I want to do. Uh, had some good mentors there, made sure I was doing it for the right reasons. And so I think uh, that I finally kind of intersected with the path of teaching, finding me once I was in college. Yeah, that's great. That's great. That, and, and I have a very similar, I grew up in a very small community. I don't even think we had a thousand um, in Southern Indiana. And you're right. Like there was nothing else to do. Uh, Friday night football was huge. Basketball was huge. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of my passions also is, is rural education and I miss it, uh, that now I'm in urban education. There, there's just a difference. Um, just, a, you know, a little bit of a difference, but I'm definitely a firm believer in the community school approach. And, and I love, uh, I love that you were talking about that. Um, okay. So that's how you got into education. You've been around education now, 20 ish years. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you've seen things come, you've seen things go, you've seen things come back. Um, so what is one of the problems in education that your big idea kind of hopes to tackle? Well, I, I think it's multifaceted, Ryan, but my big idea, and as probably people can, can realize from my bio and all of that, I'm big on leadership. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think sometimes what we're passionate about 
doesn't always necessarily start from a positive place. Maybe we have a less than stellar experience, you know, uh, I get to some that. Extent, um, you know, I always say uh, if you've ever loaded a U-Haul because of a bad leader, we can probably relate to one another. Yeah. Same. Yeah. Same here. And, and so when I talk about leadership, it's personal. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it, but it's, it's similar to how all teachers know, it's not in many ways, the most influential people in the, in the schoolhouse are teachers because right. leader, leadership is influence. And so any teacher that says I'm not a leader just hasn't thought about it enough. And, That's and exactly I, right. yep. I go out of my way with, you know, current teachers as graduate students to let them know, no, you're very influential. So, so my big idea or problem is multifaceted. You know, we, we have a teacher shortage. We do, obviously. We sure do. Some parts of the country or very whatever news outlet you subscribe to, teaching might not have the best uh, reputation. And I think, and it's it's the most efficient way, but it's also accurate. Uh, I say the best way to improve an organization is to improve the leader. Yeah. Uh, and because no different than students or athletes, you know, a group of people by and large are the same uh, and they will rise or fall to the expectations we put in front of them and the supports we give them. And, and while fixing the, the concerns or issues with, with the teacher shortage and all of those things, there isn't one magic answer. Uh, I think every, every answer is, is a big pie. And the best we can do is find as many slices to that as we can. Yeah, sure, sure. And I think leadership is, is a big part of that because regardless of the organization, I do think that people still leave people in terms of leadership. And just like very few teachers leave, very few teachers leave the classroom because of what goes on inside the classroom. It's what goes on outside, right? Yes, because maybe they yeah. don't have that support. Uh, and then I've talked to principals and superintendents, very, you know, principals and superintendents very rarely will leave because of what's going on inside their staff and building. It's maybe the people putting Above the pressure them. them. Yeah. And, and so with that, first of all, I think we need to, first of all, make it okay for some people to succeed and spend their career as a classroom teacher. Oh, I think sure. sometimes there's there's this thought that, well, yes, I've been teacher of the year, but I won't have arrived until I have the title of fill in the blank, curriculum coordinator, principal, et yeah. cetera. And then I think at the other side of that, there are folks uh, in the building that really have what it takes with the proper knowledge and mentoring and awareness to be wonderful education leaders and realize that by leaving the classroom to be a principal, you are not leaving your kids. You're actually kind of elevating the influence you have. And so I would say an awareness of getting into leadership for the right reasons, um, certainly in K-12, but even, even in, I think, in any organization, uh, and then making sure uh, that part of that is, is effective advocacy and, and just supporting supporting your people. And you and I both, you've been around education long enough. I mean, you hear, you know, stories of ways that teachers are supported and it makes you makes you happy. And then you hear stories about how maybe they weren't and you scratch your head and say, how did that happen? Um, so, Ryan, that that would be, yeah, I probably dug into that a little more uh, than, than maybe. No, that was perfect. 
but I think the problem is, is we have a, a perception problem and we have in some areas a leaving problem, if you will, from the, from the profession. Um, but if you look at the research related to leaving a job, not just teaching, uh, I read an article, a seminal, seminal article that was written, I think, in 89. Uh, it was essentially talking about quiet quitting before it had the popular yeah. name. Right? Yeah. yeah. Um, again, everything, everything gets recycled. So we need to focus on on just getting good leaders in the building, supporting our people, folks like you that say, I want, I want to see you. I want to value you. I want to support you. Um, and I think it wouldn't cure everything, but I think that would go to support the foundation that we need to build to, to really get, get education back to where it needs to be in terms of K-12 teaching and, and it's, uh, it's reputation. Yeah. I'll tell you what, I really like this idea. Um, you know, selfishly, I'm a leader. So obviously, you know, um, and, and, and I, I too am like you, like I love to improve. I love the process as much. Uh, so I like the process of working towards a goal as much as I like goal setting. Um, and so, yeah, you know, if I was in a position as a leader where, where the, somebody above me was like, you know, we are going to pour into you. We are going to make you the best leader possible because we know it's going to trickle down um, that as a leader would make me feel humongously valued, seen and heard. Um, because I, I'm going to go a little tangent off of what you said. Sometimes as leaders, we're just expected to know everything, what to do. Right. And the people above us are kind of like, uh, okay, you're the leader now go. Well, that doesn't mean I still don't have room to grow and, or I don't want to grow. Um, but then also I'm going to touch on this. You made the statement that you want to make it okay for teachers to stay teachers. Cannot agree with you more. Cannot agree with you more. Um, yeah, because I've seen some fantabulous teachers that I was really scared to lose out of the classroom. Um, now they went on to be great leaders as well, um, but we need great teachers. And I, I'll tell you what, I think one, one thing that would really help is if we could pay teachers more so that they're not moving up simply for the increased paycheck. Um, Without a doubt. Yeah. I mean, that has to, that has to um, be something that from a national level and my response to that is, you know, sometimes you probably heard the old analogy and I don't agree with it, but we're both from small towns, you know, the, guys sitting around the coffee shop in the morning saying, oh, those teachers, you know, they're just, they're just babysitters. Well, you know how much more teachers would get paid if we paid them as much as we pay daycare for one, one person? Quite a bit. Yeah, quite, quite a, a bit. bit. And any of the listeners that have sent kids to daycare? Okay. So or, no, teachers are not babysitters, but yes, no. they should, at, they need to be paid more. They absolutely do. And then the last thing you said, uh, you said getting into leadership for the right reason. Again, making sure, um, you know, selfishly, I'm a super purpose-led person. Um, I think if you're a leader of the building, you should be in that building for more than just test scores. Um, mm -hmm. You know, you should be in, in it to prepare your kids for life. Um, and yeah, definitely. So what can we do to make sure those types of leaders get in the driver's seat? Um, cause what I have found Chris is, and maybe, and this is just anecdotal, but 
you know, those leaders that really, really, really focus on the academic solely and kind of lose touch of the humanity of the building. Those are the, at least in my opinion, those are the leaders that people leave. Um, and in my opinion, a lot of that has to do with the change in work, you know, um, that um, work. I, I read something yesterday, 30% um, of new jobs require, um, let me go, let me go the, the opposite way. 70% of new jobs require creativity, thinking, collaboration, all of those 21st century skills that we've been talking about for 22 years. Um, 30, uh, 30% just are of those new jobs are the old style, old style factory jobs where you're just, you know, putting things together. You're, there's not a lot of right brain thinking. Um, and so the world of work now, like we need people we need leaders that are going to inspire us and then get out of our way. You know what I mean? Inspire us, trust us, get out of our way. And I think that's when you make the biggest, biggest change. Yeah. I, you know, you talked about Daniel Pink and, and I, I think drive is the one that talks about mastery purpose and autonomy. Absolutely. And, and those yeah. Things. Uh, something that I came across because much like you and your listeners, uh, my, my form of professional development is I listen to podcasts, I, sure. I read books. Um, and I was listening a while back to a podcast that uh, Ken Blanchard, who's a, you know, on the Mount Rushmore of leadership authors and Randy Conley have a, uh, a somewhat recent book about the, I believe it's a 50, 52 truths of leadership. So you can read one a day. But one thing that they said, and, and I've shared that this is, you know, a thought that you get in your mind and, and for months uh, I've been been sharing this, but they they said the opposite of trust is is not mistrust; it's control. That's right. And and I've used that as a leader sometimes reverse engineering things to just kind of check myself, saying, yeah. "Is my am I Does this seem as though I'm trying to control another person? Because if it does, then whether I realize it or not, I'm sending the message that I don't trust you. That's right. And 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 I do think that teachers need to be trusted. Uh, the, the inherent schedule of a teacher, we joke, but, you know, they know how to use the bathroom, run 50 copies and, you know, do all that in eight minutes and eat lunch. That's right. And so there's so much of their day that is controlled that in, in, in the areas where they can be trusted, I, um, I personally, back to my time in, in K-12, uh, when I had leaders that, that did that, that, that means a lot. It does. It does. It absolutely does. I had a wonderful principal um, that his big, his big catchphrase was ideas rule. So if you have an idea, do it, try it. And he trusted us to try it. Um, I actually, I too was listening to a pod, podcast the other day and um, it was all on innovation and it was a Ted talk. I can't remember the guy's name, but he was a CEO of a corporation and he gave everybody one I effed up card. Now, obviously it didn't say <laughs> effed up. One effed sure. up card. And they had to use it within the next year. Anybody that didn't use that card within the next year got fired because he wanted to create a culture 
where these people are willing to take risks and willing to F up. Mm-hmm. And they knew that it was okay. Um, again, I think it goes back to the world of work, you know, anything, anything that can be, um, anything that can be in an algorithm and a computer can do, that's what's going to be do. And the jobs that are going to be left over for our next generation of kids are the kids that can think outside of the box. So if we're not letting our teachers do that, then why the heck are, are they going to create students that can do the same? Mm-hmm. You know? Yep. Very well said. Okay. So my, my friend, we have talked a little bit about your big ed idea. Um, it is improve the leader to improve the school. Um, and I love it because I do agree. You know, our teachers are definitely um, the, the work horses of the building, but they got to be able to be in a building that they want to be in. And, and mm-hmm. I think the best way to do that and the best way, like you said, to fight attrition is to have a quality leader in place. And so, yeah, I could not agree with you more, Chris. And, and obviously, and you know, this, you know, I want people to realize that oftentimes the, when we focus on a problem, it doesn't mean that that's the majority. And it's like, you know, there, there's most, most, I've, most schools have, have, you know, I think great leaders and, and, but however, um, I do think, uh, you know, statistically, even a minority of people leaving, um, those are, are real teachers that are affecting real kids. And so, so yeah, I think part of, part of the way to, to improve education on many levels is to look at, look at, look at the leadership and the culture that's being created uh, in, in the environment that, that teachers work in. I love it. I love it. Okay. So we have given our listeners um, a, a snippet of the veil. So behind the veil of Dr. Christopher Yoakum, um, would you talk a, a second about what that new book is and then how people can get a hold of you, can buy the book? Uh, maybe, okay. they, maybe they want you on their podcast. Yeah, I would. And I'm always, you know, um, happy to contribute. I learn a lot. Uh, so the book, it's been out almost oh, almost a year now. And uh, it's called The Department Chair, A Practical Guide to Effective Leadership. And even though it it, it is the the examples, it's from the perspective of a department chair, uh, I would say that 85% of it uh, is is just practical leadership. That's right. Because That's right. my background is a teacher, uh, I would think that it would resonate, uh, hopefully, uh, with with those in K-12. Uh, I am working on, on some the next project to where it would specifically talk about K-12, uh, but um, just for the listeners, uh, if you do get it, I would be be very um, eager to know your thoughts on its applicability. I've had some admin read it and, and say there's some applicability. So again, it's a department chair, practical guide to effective leadership. I talk about how to decide if you're leading for the right reasons, uh, how, you know, culture, how that matters. Talk about leading students, talk about uh, conflict. Uh, mentoring, leading through crisis, all of those things. And and uh, probably the two easiest ways to find it is it is available on Amazon. Uh, or you can just go to cjleadership.com. And that is a site for the book. So it makes it real easy to go there, 
see an overview of the table of contents. You can click on the book. It'll take you to the Amazon link. And um, just uh, hope it adds value to, to people that, that read it and would certainly love to, to hear, their, hear their feedback. Absolutely. And I will um, be adding this to my Amazon uh, wish list cart with Christmas coming up. Um, so what are you, um, active on, on many of the socials? I am. Yeah, I, well, I have them. I don't know if I'm as active (laughs) as, as, as some, um, but, uh, probably, uh, the best place, um, to, to find or follow me would be Twitter. And that's just at, Yoakum CJ, so at J O C H U M C J, and um, okay. that maybe that shows my age a little bit, but I I uh, don't use maybe all of the other platforms, uh, but um, that would probably be the best one. Along with if you just go to cjleadership.com, uh, uh, you can find those those links. Okay. I will make sure that I put those in our show notes. Um, so yeah, uh, Chris, I sincerely appreciate the time. Uh, sincerely appreciate the opportunity to learn a little bit more about you, who you are, about your book. Um, love your ideas. I, I think more of them like this need to be spread out into the world. So hopefully um, our listeners will gather some, some great stuff out of this conversation tonight. Well, hey, thank you again. Uh, thank you to those that are listening. Um, please feel free to reach out if you have any questions. Um, just want to engage and see see what you can do or to help help prepare um, teachers for the next generation. So again, thank you to to you, Ryan, and your listeners. It's been honored to, to to be on this podcast. Absolutely, thank you, man. Appreciate you, um, and to my listeners, I appreciate you. Um, we have been together. Um, for going on crazily almost three years. Uh, we started this January 7th of 2020 um, as my 40th birthday present to myself. And um, I appreciate you for staying on the ride. I appreciate those of you that have reached out and to just tell me what you thought. Um, let's keep on rolling. But uh, in the immortal words of my grandfather, John Janoski, um, he loved this time of year. Thanksgiving was always huge at the Janoski household. And so, you know, we'll be missing him again this year. But in the immortal words of John Janoski, he would always say, Ryan, until I see you again, I will see you in the funny paper. hanging out with me here on the Big Ed Idea Podcast. My hope is that this would be a conversation, a meeting of the minds and a space for one person's vision to inspire the passions of another. However, none of this can happen without you. So let's be change agents together and build a better future. Please subscribe or reach out to me on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Come to the conversation with your passion. And together, let's build something awesome. Until next time, I'll see you in the funny paper.